Jesus describes himself as being a shepherd who has great responsibility. There is no greater responsibility than holding the life of another in the control of one's own hands. Protecting the life of others was the responsibility and the calling of the shepherd. People who didn't understand shepherding at the time, they looked at the shepherds and thought, they're kind of a smelly bunch. I mean, they lived in tents in the field, slept on the ground. They, they didn't have the prestigious life of, of the people in the city or in other professions or occupations. They would go away out into the fields watching animals. Kind of a lonely and, and quiet job. I, I would wonder if they would start talking to themselves and then answering themselves. I think I would make up voices for the sheep. I'd probably name them all and then have like maybe like mini drama stories between them, you know, and... and Hey, Susan, did you see what Joe did over there? Yeah, I mean, I'd be starting to, I mean, I'd probably lose my mind sitting out there in the field all the time. It gave them a lot of time to think and, and process and, and, and being surrounded by these animals. You know, sheep are not the cleanest animals out there. They, they have a bit of a smell, a bit of an identifying smell, that is. They smelled like sheep. So the shepherds then smelled like sheep. I imagine the night shift was the least desirable as well. You're walking with these sheep, and, and you've got to keep them in a, in a cluster. You see, sheep did a few different, shepherds did a few different jobs. They would, like, watch and, and keep watch over outsiders coming in. They'd have to make sure that their sheep were well cared for and fed and watered. And, and I imagine walking around at night, you would maybe trip over rocks, or, or you'd have obstacles. They didn't have flashlights back then. They couldn't just launch the flashlight app on their iPhone to make sure that they weren't tripping or stumbling. I bet they stubbed their toes on things. I I bet they stepped in remains that the sheep left behind. I imagine that there was a bit of a a discomfort in in the job that they did. I bet it makes sitting behind a desk seem a lot better than shepherding. You see, Jesus took that same job and said, "I, I see a greater and a higher calling in that same role, in that same position. Jesus didn't say, well, I'm going to be a shepherd and go be smelly. And He said, I, I see it as a call to protect the sheep and a call to, to be one that, that is taking care of the sheep. He referred to himself as a good shepherd and he referred to those that were around him as a sheep as if not as a put down to his sheep or his people, but to be able to say, listen, I'm here to care for you. It was the easiest analogy that, that was apparent at the time. The imagery of the shepherd is is prominent in that ancient Eastern history. Shepherds were equated with, with, at times they were equated with righteous government and often appear in contexts where the subject of justice is prominent. You see that shepherds are ones that hold justice. Shepherds were expected to be the ones who showed kindness and counseling, protecting and, and guiding those whom they were responsible for through every difficulty. The shepherd oftentimes was intended to signify rulership as good, just, wise, and beneficial for people, and particularly has been associated as a metaphor of kings and deity. Even the shepherd's crook has been viewed throughout the ages as a symbol of power, authority, and strength. It wasn't just his walking stick. It was his tool to help guide the sheep. It was a tool for him to be able to do his job with utmost efficiency. You know in the Bible that shepherds are mentioned over a hundred times? If we can understand who shepherds were in terms of how they were defined and described historically in the Bible, perhaps 
we can gain a better understanding and a more complete understanding of the question, what child is this? You know, one of the first careers in the Bible was shepherding. You, you had Adam and Eve, and, and one of their sons, Abel, was, was a shepherd. He was a shepherd, and he was a keeper of the sheep. In fact, all through the Bible, you see that people who owned cattle and owned flocks were, were considered wealthy. They, they were considered to have uh, power and, and influence. In fact, Job in the Bible was one person where uh, there's a whole book on Job talking about the suffering that he went through. But, but through it all, there was a point talking about the level of his wealth at one point. And in the level of his wealth, he had, uh, had 14,000 sheep. That would be a fairly large flock, I, I take it. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. No mention of the male donkeys. I I think the female donkeys were worth more in this time. You know, Abraham in the Bible was also listed as having great many flocks of, of animals. Jesus speaks about having many sheep later within the John 10 passage we talked about earlier. In John 10, he says, I am the great shepherd. But he continues in there and says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own, they know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Sometimes the owner of the flocks often were the ones who also were the shepherd. But if you have 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and you add on and add on, it was a little bit more of a a herd to manage than one person could handle. And so they would employ their, typically their offspring. You had to have a lot of kids back then if you wanted to have a lot of sheep. Because you had to have your kids help out there taking care of your flocks. And so just like Jesus, he says, I've got my flock, but, but he actually starts to train other people, his disciples, to care for other people. And he realized that the, 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 the body of Christ, the church, who you are today as believers, was going to be bigger than what one person can manage. And so he started to delegate and, and, and create churches and, and create disciples that would help to lead and, and, and to create miniature almost bodies of, of churches, just like we are gathered here today. And even inside of our church, we have small group leaders that are leading even smaller sizes. And you start to see that there are different levels of shepherding that happen within the body of Christ. And it all started because we're following the good shepherd. And if you're a follower of Christ today, you should be studying him. You should be knowing him. It says that we would all follow the good shepherd and that we would all know his voice. In fact, if we look at another famous shepherd in the Bible. In this case, it was David. David was a very famous shepherd. He was the son of Jesse. And David was given the responsibility to take care of his father's sheep before he would be called to care for and lead the people of Israel as their king. In fact, David was watching sheep when Samuel showed up to anoint him as king. And we read in 1 Samuel 16 that, The Lord said to Samuel, fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And then Samuel said to Jesse, are all of your sons here? 
And he said, well, there's this other guy, the youngest, but he's out there keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy with, and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. He's a good-looking shepherd. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So even after this incredible moment where David becomes anointed as the future king over Israel, what's the next thing that David did? He went back out into the field to continue watching his sheep. See, David had this thing where he he was a shepherd at heart, but he'd been anointed to be king and a ruler at the same time. That should be the model that every one of us have, that we have this shepherding heart inside of us that, that cares for one another, that we care for other people in this world. We say around here all the time we want to live like Jesus and we want to share his love. Being able to stand up for righteousness and to be able to love those people around us and love those people that God puts into our life. So David, the future king of Israel, continues to fulfill his duties as shepherd while King Saul still was enthroned and leading Israel. Later, his brothers, they went to battle. They were soldiers in the army. But David, he stayed behind to care for the sheep in Bethlehem. Fast forward through time, and Jesus is now born in Bethlehem just around the corner from the same place that David would have been tending to his sheep. The Savior of the world, the the good shepherd, would be born in the city of David. And as a direct descendant of the king, David, who also was a good shepherd in bygone days. So what child is this? What child is this? He is a shepherd and a king. He is a shepherd and a king, just as his ancestor, David. See, shepherd duties have a few elements to them. Probably the most important one is that the shepherd goes and feeds and waters the sheep. He takes care of guiding this herd over to the grass to eat and then turning around and guiding them back to the stream to drink. David had plenty of experience of guiding the sheep over to one place to eat and one place to drink. I bet the path was somewhat beaten going back and forth from the eating to the drinking and the eating and the drinking. One of David's most famous, psalm, most famous poems, poems is in the book of Psalm, chapter 23. And in it, it says this. It says that, that he says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. You see, David knew that the Lord was a shepherd. And this child that was born in this Christmas day, he was a shepherd and a king. He knew that he could trust him to be able to take care of his every need. The sheep don't sit there in anxiety wondering, what shall I eat tomorrow? The sheep don't think, I'm a little thirsty. What's going to happen to my life? But so many times, we as believers and followers of Christ, we we sometimes start to get anxious about what could happen in our life tomorrow. But we have to know that and have trust and and have faith that, that our God and our King, our Savior, is the Good Shepherd. And He provides for those things in our life. Can we just 
lean on him and allow him to bring those things into our lives. The other thing that the shepherd does as a primary duty is he protects the flock from prey. So just as the shepherd was responsible for food and water and provisions of the sheep, protecting the flock was also a priority that continually must be provided. Sheep were easy prey for wild animals, as seen in various places in the Bible. David would actually fight off lions and tigers. Lions and tigers would come along thinking, I've got a tasty morsel of sheep snack available to me today. And and David would have a slingshot, and he would throw rocks. He would take his shepherd's staff and attack. Like He would fight off vicious animals that were coming in, the enemies of his sheep. Listen, you and I both know that we have enemies. I don't think the sheep would be very capable of fighting off lions and tigers. I would say this, that David was exponentially more capable of fighting off the enemies of the sheep. Listen, we follow a God who is exponentially more capable of fighting off the enemies that come against you in life. He is exponentially more capable. In the same passage of Psalm 23, David writes, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. The rod and staff are some of the primary tools. In fact, the rod and the staff is what the shepherd used to help guide the sheep back into line. They would, they would take these things, and sure, it was a hiking stick, but he would use it to, to hook animals and to poke and prod and to guide and to, to things. He would actually use that same tool in, in his nurturing of animals that maybe had an injury or, or a problem in their life. So many times we, we feel the rod of correction or the, or the staff of adjustment that God brings into our life to help bring us back into alignment. And we resist it. But listen, the, the correcting rod of the Lord that comes into your life Maybe the guilt or the conviction that you feel in your spirit. That's a good thing. Because he cares for you and he loves you. The correction that he brings into your life is a good thing. Because he's a good shepherd and he wants what's best for you. Sometimes in our own sheep-minded ways of life, we think that what we're after is a good thing. But God knows that it's not good for us. And so he, he brings us back into alignment. The characteristics of the good shepherd help answer the question that the shepherds posed at the nativity. They asked this, what child is this? This child was here to provide and to protect. To provide and to protect all those under his care. Protection from thieves. I imagine if the amount of sheep equaled the amount of wealth that you had, there were probably people, especially in the nighttime, that think that they could sneak in and grab a sheep throw it in their Porsche, and drive away to increase their wealth. But he would have to protect them, the sheep, from people who are thieves. There are people that come into our life that want to steal your joy. There are people that come into your life that want to to steal your confidence. There's people that want to come into your life and, and steal things out of your life. And the Lord says, listen, don't look to them for your joy. Don't look to them for your confidence. You look to me for your joy and your confidence, and I'll bring it to you. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The confidence of the Lord, our identity is in Christ. He's there to help provide and to protect. Thieves try to snatch up from their home and the life that was intended for them by the one who watched over and owned them. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. 
But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep. There's several references throughout Scripture that sheep understand the voice of their shepherd. Which means, I think the shepherd was talking a lot to the sheep. I think that the shepherd may have had names for the sheep. I, I don't know. It doesn't say. But he talked enough to sheep that sheep would understand their voice and would follow them. Are you listening to the voice of the Lord enough that you can recognize it and follow it? The good shepherd went to great lengths to take care of those under his or her care. He would make sure that they were kept intact and would go the extra mile to make sure if one of was lost, was looked for until it was found. I mean, Jesus taught about the lost sheep in one of his parables in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 18, it says this, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountain and go and search for the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. You see, Jesus was there to seek and to save the lost. As the shepherds asked, what child is this? This child would be a savior who would seek and save those who were lost. You know, he, he, uh, he referenced the sheep and the, and the one that, that went astray. Do we have a heart for those who have gone astray? Do we have a heart for those who have fallen away from the fold? In the middle of this Thanksgiving season and this Christmas season and, and all the holidays, it typically equals more family gatherings, more family drama maybe, more family issues that can attend. And maybe there's a black sheep in, in your family. Or maybe there's, you're the black sheep of the family. Maybe, maybe you're the one that has a hard time fitting in. Are you willing to reach out for the one that doesn't fit in? Are you willing to make a way? where other people have not made a way. Because I can tell you that the great shepherd is there to seek and save those that went astray. The band would come. We're going to close. All we are like sheep that have gone astray. We have turned, every single one of us, at some point have turned and walked away from the Lord. The mission of the shepherd is to look for and rescue and return the ones who are lost. This is what a good shepherd naturally does. This is who this child on the manger would grow to become. He is the one who came to seek and save those who were lost, alone, exposed, and astray. Isaiah the the prophet, he speaks of the Lord who would come in a vivid imagery of a good shepherd. Isaiah said, said this, he said, He will tend his flock like a shepherd, He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Over 30 years later, after Jesus was born, over 30 years later, when Jesus 
completed the rescue mission that he came to earth to complete. When he went to the cross and paid the price for our sins so that we could be united with him again. When he completed the mission, he restored and entrusted the shepherding responsibilities to Peter on the shores of Galilee. Where they first met three years earlier, the whole conversation revolved around the ongoing role and responsibility. And you can see in the book of John, chapter 21, it says this, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And, he, and Jesus said to, to him, feed, feed my lambs. Jesus said a second time, Simon, do you love me? And he said to him, Simon said, yes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. And Jesus said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him on the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So what child is this? What child is it that laid in this manger? What, what child is it? The question that, that all these shepherd ha- shepherds had as, as angels appeared to them and, and the dramatic entrance. And, and, and they're like, what in the world? This is Why is there a baby in a manger and what's the big deal? So what child is this? It's the child that came down to, to lay his life down for us. What child is this? He is the one who came to provide for and protect his flock. What child is this? He is the one who came to seek and to save those that were lost. He is the one who is the good shepherd. His name is Jesus. The baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger, just as the angel said that he would be. Now go and tell everyone what has been heard, seen, and experienced concerning who this child is. Just as the shepherds did on that first Christmas in Bethlehem, What child is this? He is a shepherd. He is the good shepherd. Church, will you stand with me as we sing one last time this morning? As we start this sing, we're going to have a prayer team available on either side of the stage if you need prayer for any reason whatsoever. But let me just say a quick prayer over you before we leave. Heavenly Father, God, we just are so grateful that you sent your son to earth to be the good shepherd. God, I pray that that we would look to you to be our protection, that we would look to you to be our source and our savior. God, allow us to fine-tune our hearing to be able to hear your voice in a way that we're able to follow you with even the, the most subtle guidance that you give us. So God, you're, you're just a shepherd, but you're also a king. So God, we, we sing together the praises of the king who is among us today. In Jesus' name, amen. King is among us, His glory surrounds us, His fire is falling as we sing. The Savior is for us, His love is victorious, and revival is rising in His name. The King is among us. Surrounds us, this fire is born.
as we sing The Savior is for us And His love is victorious And revival is rising in His name Oh, it is rising in His name May the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of the God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Have a wonderful week.